0: Hello and welcome to A History of Electronic Music, Part 2. Paul Schicke, and this is part two of A History of Electronic Music. Today I'm mainly going to be talking about the theremin, um, but first of all I have to apologise for a couple of inaccuracies from part one, which uh, obviously a few of you have hopefully heard. I did say that the first electronic instrument was the singing arc invented by William Dudell but Upon further research, I found out that there were earlier instruments than that. There was, for instance, the electric harpsichord invented by a Jesuit priest, who's Jean-Baptiste Delaborde, in about 1759. And apparently it worked on electromechanical principles. And there was also the electromechanical piano invented by um, somebody in Switzerland in 1867. And perhaps most notably, there was the musical telegraph. Um, invented by Alicia Gray in the States in 1876. And apparently, Alicia Gray was um, pretty much invented the telephone at the same time as Alexander Gray and Bell, but he didn't quite get to the patent office on time, so Bell got the credit for it. Um, if you want to know more about these really early instruments, um, there is a great website which is www.obsolete.com. And there's a link there for 120 years of electronic music. And there's basically lots and lots, just tons of early instruments. A lot of the film-based ones I, I briefly mentioned last time. Um, but there's no real examples of, of what they sound like, so I couldn't do much with them in this this particular podcast. OK, on to this programme and the theremin, which is the only instrument, or is credited as the only instrument you play without touching, because it works on a electromagnetic fields around particular sensors. And it was actually based on uh, Russian government research into proximity sensors. And it was invented by a guy called Lev Sergeyevich Terman, which is anglicised as Leon Theremin in 1919. And apparently he showed this to Lenin um, just after the revolution. And Lenin absolutely loved it and started taking lessons immediately in it. And then he sent uh, Theremin around the world to show off um, Soviet ingenuity. And it it was during this world trip that he ended up in the USA in 1928 and where he patented the instrument. Um, Before I go any further actually describing what the instrument's like, I'll play you a little example from um, uh, one of the most famous theremin players there is, which is somebody called Clara Rockmore. And this is from a CD called The Art of the Theremin, but this is a classical piece, so it's it's just really an example piece and it's not original electronic music. This is Saint Seyant. And this is a piece called The Swan. Apologies again for pronunciation. But this is Clara Rockmore on the theremin and her sister, Nadia Reisenberg, on piano. A beautiful piece of music there by uh, Saint-Cien. Uh, that was the Swan, played by Clara Rockmore and Nadia Reisenberg. A little bit more about the theremin. Um, it's basically a box um, with one side you've got a loop with two antenna coming out of it. One side you've got a looped antenna which controls the volume and straight out of the top you've got a straight antenna which controls the pitch and by moving your hands in the proximity to these you create the notes. That's why you get it's very difficult to get definite notes and you can't switch between them as you would on perhaps a keyboard taking one note off and one note on. You have to slide between them, creating a portamento effect. Um, And subsequently, it's very, very difficult to play. That's why um, there's very few people that can actually play it. And Clara Rockmore is one of the most famous and one of the best players because she invented a whole new fingering method for it. And she's absolutely amazing, apparently. And you can tell from that play now, it's spot on. Um, but I'll read you a little bit about how Clara Rockmore plays. Um, the theremin performer plays without the benefit of any tactile reference whatever. She is constantly moving her hands, listening to the resulting pitch changes, then trimming the precise motion of her hands to home in on the desired pitch and volume. The process is essentially one of continuous aural feedback. For this reason, placement of the theremin loudspeaker is extremely important. Miss Rockmore uses a large open-back speaker cabinet which she places behind and slightly above her head, pointing out towards her audience. With such an arrangement, she is able to hear the effect of her hand motion soon enough so that her audience is rarely, if ever, aware of the oral feedback corrections that she intuitively applies. Um, I'm going to play you another bit now from 1929, this original music written for the theremin. By Joseph Schillinger, who is a Ukrainian board um, musical visionary who founded the first jazz orchestra in the USSR, apparently. And this is a piano reduction of the first movement of his first airphonic suite. And the player here is Lydia Kavina on the theremin, and on the piano is Joshua Pierce. by Joseph Schillinger and that sort of points up one of another inaccuracy from last week I did say that a piece from 1930 uh, would be one of the oldest pieces of electronic music you've ever heard, but that was actually from 1929, so I lied, sorry <laughs> um, Next, another piece that was, again points up some of the inaccuracies of last time in that it was written for the theremin But to me, it doesn't sound like it. It is the theremin that's played there, because apparently I found out since um, I did part one that sometimes the Andes Martineau is used in place of the theremin because the theremin is so difficult to play. And later on, I'm going to play you um, a piece by Borislav Martineau, which I played last week for the Andes Martineau and I've now got a theremin version of it so you can actually hear as it was written for the theremin originally but this piece is by quite a quite famous composer, Dmitri Shostakovich um, and it was written for a film called Odna, which was released in 1931 so he wrote the music in about 1930 and this is a piece called Storm Blowing Up and it's played by the Runfunk Symphony Orchestra Berlin short piece there by Dmitri Shostakovich from 1930 and possibly the first piece of film music to feature an electronic instrument written for the theremin but I'm pretty sure that that sounds a lot more like an Andes Martino to me. Um, Next we have something quite interesting because it's a piece of music that until now we've seen electronic music integrate itself into classical music or whatever musical forms there are about at the time. But this one tried to be something new and it tried to perhaps define electronic music on its own. Um, this is a piece from 1936 by Percy Granger and it's called Free Music Number 1 and I'll read you a little bit of what Percy Granger said or wrote rather. It seems to me absurd to live in an age of flying and yet not be able to execute tonal glides and curves just as absurd as it would be to have to paint a portrait in little squares. Too long has music been subject to the limitations of the human hand and subject to the interfering interpretations of a middleman, the performer. That is why I write my free music for theremins, the most perfect of tonal instruments I know. This is Free Music number 1 from 1936. Percy Granger. Number one by Percy Granger from 1936. Um, Now the part I told you a little bit about a a few minutes ago, um, the part that I played the incorrect version last week, um, this is the, the real theremin version. And this is also the theremin played by Lydia Kavina, as was Free Music. And Free Music, for inst- um, by the way, actually used four theremins, um, multi-tracked together, all played by Lydia Kavina. And that's available on the CD Music from the Ether." Uh, as is this by Borislav Martinou. And this also fe- features Kristen Fox, Carol Eaton-Elaim, and the Portland String Quartet, um, it's from 1944. Boris Love Martinu. Fantasia. An extract. An extract from Fantasia by Martinu. Um And I think it does sound considerably different played with a the theremin. Um, especially with a, I think that was played with a smaller orchestra as well. I've spoken about the use of the theremin in film um, already. The 1930 film Odna, which I played a part of um, earlier on. But it was also used by Franz Waxman in The Bride of Frankenstein in the mid-30s. But it wasn't really to the mid forties that it really hit Hollywood and made a big impression in one film in particular, which was Alfred Hitchcock's Spellbound, where it was used for a particular purpose of showing an unbalanced character, showing somebody is a bit, a bit out of their minds. And in, in Spellbound, he's lost his memory and he may have killed somebody, but doesn't quite know. And the theremin is used to show his, his, um, confusion and, the madness within him. The music was by Miklos Rosa, who famously later on wrote lots and lots of big Hollywood scores, like um, Ben-Hur and The Robe and big epics like that. But earlier on, he was a pioneer of electronic music, obviously. And the theremin at the time was played by the Hollywood's favourite thereminist, was Dr. Samuel J. Hoffman, who was a chiropodist by day, and a thereminist at night, he just did it in his spare time. And I'll, I'll read a little part about how Samuel J. Hoffman got the job of playing on Spellbound. The theremin part Rosa was conceiving for Spellbound was of an order of prominence and difficulty that demanded, for the first time in Hollywood, a professional thereminist to interpret it. The solo line often doubled the violin section, and to render that sort of unison position, somebody with an exacting ear and precise theremin hands was needed. When the composer phoned the Musicians' Union in Hollywood, there was only one thereminist listed who could also read music, a Dr. Samuel J. Hoffman. After this, Hoffman, Hoffman became um, quite celebrated um, around the, the late 40s just as the thereminist, um, because no, not many other people could play it quite as well as he did. Um, but on with the music, and this is apart from Spellband, this is taken directly from the film, because I couldn't get a soundtrack, but this is a part where Gregory Peck um, has a razor blade in his hand and he might be about to kill somebody, but we don't know. In typical Hitchcock fashion. You, Mr. Brown? An extract there from Spe- The Music to Spellbound by Miklos Rosa and that's from 1945 Later on in that year uh, Miklos Rosa also scored another film and again he used the theremin to demonstrate a, an unbalanced state of mind This time it was to represent an alcoholic craving and it was really the first film that dealt with alcoholism in a direct way um, it's directed by Billy Wilder, and here's some music that I've put together from The Lost Weekend. Again, this is from, directly from the film, so there's bits of dialogue as well, which I think, it quite enhances it, it's nice.
1: and sit down on my typewriter. This time I'm going to do it, Nat. I'm going to do it. Maybe you will. Thank you, Nat. Am I all paid up? Yes, Mr. Blaine. Well, goodbye, Nat. I'm going home. This time I've got it. I'm going to write. Good luck, kid. Where did you... I want it and I'm gonna get it, understand? I'm gonna walk out of here with that quarter of rye. One way or another.
0: A man in dire need of a drink. I'm sure you'll agree. Um, I forgot to mention in there that uh, he's a writer and also after the, after he's typing to listen out for another early electronic instrument um, possibly the first polyphonic synthesizer which was the Hammond Nova but that's the subject of part 3 uh, along with the Hammond organ so you'll have to hear about it then. But have a rewind and listen to the bit just after he's typing and you can hear just a bit of an God coming in. After Spellbound and The Last Weekend, the, the theremin enjoyed a bit of strange popularity because it, it traded on its novelty of being an instrument you play without touching. And out of that grew some very odd music indeed. It's pop the popular music of the day but with a theremin integrated into it as a as a selling point essentially and let me play uh, uh, something from this album it's from 1947 and the album's called music out of the moon and the thereminist is dr samuel j hoffman again and the composer is harry revel um, this is a piece called moon moods harry revel there from 1947 particularly good lyrics in that song they were excellent and that was moon moods from the 1947 album music out of the moon um moving straight on um in 1948 they did another album together so it obviously sold um And this is is even more interesting. This is Perfume Set to Music, and I quote, it's probably the only successful attempt to capture and reproduce with musical instruments and human voice the sounds of fragrance and scent. And it's based on some Cordae fragrances popular at the time. Um, The one I'm going to play is Jet, and I'll read the description as well because it's hilarious. Jet, a rush of sound soaring and thrusting like the black magic of the witching hour. Strings and woodwinds coupled with the voices of the chorus create a pulsating, sweeping climax. Jet. Jets there from perfume set to music from 1948. I think you said it. I said it was, wasn't it? Yeah, it's from 1948. <laughs> um, next, they did another album, and I'm going to play you two things from this because these are even better. And um, this is from 1950, and it's from an album called "Music for a Piece of Mind." I've got to read it out the sleeve um, from the sleeve of this as well. Our troubled and complex world today offers all too few periods when we can relax in this happy mood. At best, perhaps, we have memories of such moments, the quiet of a country hillside, the glow of achievement that comes with business success, the throbbing joy of first love. Think about all these things when you're listening to this track, which is This Room is a Castle of Quiet. And I don't know about you, but I find this particularly unsettling, but um, just... Relax. Unsettling or relaxing? You decide. <laughs> um, something else I also forgot to mention there. I don't think the Nova Chord featured in that one, but I'm sure the Nova Chord featured in the previous two. Um, and if you want to hear some more Nova Chord music from um, Perfume Setter Music, there is a I'm going to play some next week, or not next week, next program rather. Um, straight on with the music. This from the same album again. This is I Dream of a Past Love, Harry Revel. Um, with S.J. Hoffman on the theremin. A Dream of a Past Love from the album Music for Peace of Mind from 1950. Um the only comment I'd like to make on that is how inappropriate the the theremin was for that kind of music. To me it just doesn't it doesn't sit quite right. In the 1940s film stuff, yeah, it's excellent. It's a very it's quite an unsettling strange sound. And this this aspect of it, it was used very convincingly in the 1950s in sci-fi which is where the theremin is really uh, associated um a couple of films i'm going to play you some music from now uh, from 1951 this is a score by bernard herman who's famously hitchcock's composer where it's absolutely amazing music i love his stuff um, this is from the day the Earth to still, the, the absolute classic of um, an alien who comes to a violent world and tries to make us peaceful. Um, this features. This is like fr- this is not from the film, as the other ones. This is from a, a recent re-recording, which you can get on Varese Saraband Records, and this features Celia Sheen on the theremin. Some music from The Day the Earth Stood Still by Bernard Herrmann from 1951. And there was also a few other groundbreaking instruments involved in that. For instance, there was the Hammond organ, which is also one of the earliest electronic instruments. And there was an electric cello and an electric violin um, in that. So Bernard Herrmann, another electronic pioneer. Um, Another film with a similar plot from a couple of years later, 1953. Um, was It Came From Outer Space. This is about an alien that lands on a warlike world. He gets terrorised, but he's, he's only crashed there accidentally, and he just wants to take off again. So here's a little piece of music from that, this time taken directly from the film. This is music by Joseph Gershenson. I don't know who plays the theremin in this. Probably Samuel J. Hoffman.
1: doing here i have been waiting for you oh, we've been looking all over for you are you all right yes i'll take you home no take me to the mine.
0: The abominable alien there from It Came From Outer Space. But it turns out in the end, he's a good guy. Um, Excellent use of the theremin there. Definitely appropriate to um, use it to create an otherworldly sound. Because apparently the original um, name of the theremin was the etherophone. It's like the sound of the ether. The final bit of theremin I'm going to play tonight is from a 1956 film... It's not a sci-fi, it's a comedy, it's a Jerry Lewis comedy, and apparently it's his first film without Dean Martin. This is from The Delicate Delinquent, and basically he plays a sort of handyman at a boarding house, and one of the boarders is a mad professor who owns a theremin.
1: Oh Excuse me, sir, but I, I was just playing your broom. That's my theremin. Oh, well, i written your what? Well, I suppose you came in here to see it. Oh, yes, that's a very nice theremin. Not that. You know what I mean.
0: Um, a couple of interesting things about that clip. Um, the fact that I didn't tell you exactly what was happening in it. Um, what actually happened was, um, he was out in the corridor. Jerry Lewis was he heard the theremin being played and he went in and the other interesting thing was it works well as a proximity sensor because that's what he was doing he's moving towards it and that's the sound it makes when you move towards a theremin in that way the other interesting thing was it involved rock and roll and a theremin and I was going to say that perhaps a precursor to the Beach Boys using it in good vibrations but They didn't actually use a theremin in Good Vibrations. It's a a universal myth that it was a theremin that was used, but it was something completely different. I can't actually remember the name of it, but it was not a theremin. You can find out on Wikipedia, which is where I do all my research. Um, I'd just like to finish off today's show with... It's not a theremin, because I'm a bit fed up with the sound of theremin. Um, After listening to it for several weeks it does become a bit tiresome so as we were talking about science fiction earlier i shall finish on a science fiction classic which has absolutely unique amazing music and that is uh, the forbidden planet from 1956 and as you can hear in the background really iconic sounds that's what really struck me when i was listening to this music um, this is The Monster's Footprints and I was just remembering that as I was listening to the soundtrack and this was from 1956 I've already said but it's the way they made the music was completely ahead of its time and the music they made was really stunningly different to anything else it was about so I'll tell you a little bit about how this music was made The composers, who are Lewis and Beeb Barron, used ring modulator circuits which they burnt out in creating the sound. They actually built, they're very much into the science of cybernetics. I'll read you a little bit from the music notes um, from the CD. We design and construct electronic circuits which function electronically in a manner remarkably similar to the way that lower life forms function psychologically. In scoring Forbidden Planet, as in all of our work, we created individual cybernetic circuits for particular themes and leitmotifs, rather than using standard sound generators. Actually, each circuit has a characteristic activity pattern as well as a voice. Most remarkable is that the sounds which emanate from these electronic nervous systems seem to convey strong emotional meaning to listeners. We were delighted to hear people tell us that the tonalities in Forbidden Planet remind them of what their dreams sound like. And apparently at the time, they didn't really consider their work music, but the definition of music is organised sound, and it's certainly organised to some extent, although it's, it's really bizarre music. Um, I'll play you what is quite possibly the strangest love theme in any film, and this is, um, Love at the Swimming Hole from the Forbidden Planet.
1: Oh, my God.
0: swimming hole I'm sure you just you hear that and you just think of love don't you it just really inspires such lovely wonderful thoughts does that music um, I'm going to finish tonight's show with um, another piece from because P- it really is groundbreaking amazing stuff in terms of electronica, because although um, they did use um, tapes and things, they recorded pretty much everything they created from circuits and manipulated them with delays and reverb. So I was thinking of possibly using this in part four, which is about tape music and John Cage and Stockhausen. But I thought as I was talking about sci-fi, I might as well include it here instead. Um, I'm going to finish off with The Monster Pursues, Morbius is Overcome. Uh, it's by Lewis and B. Baronform. The Forbidden Planet. Oh. the monster pursues and Morbius is overcome and you can just hear the monster departing in the background as I say that's the end of A History of Electronic Music Part 2 please feel free to contact me comments, recommendations praise, and I must thank the people that have encouraged me to do this part 2 and I'm sorry that it's taken so long to do, but I, I think it was worth the wait um, email me at shekel at uk. no sorry that's wrong shekel at hotmail <laughs> dot com rather um, I need to finish this bottle of wine that I've been drinking throughout this and in the meantime I'll leave you with the, the exciting news that part three will be ready a lot sooner and it's about the Hammond organ and the Hammond uh, chord. so Expect a bit of cheese. Goodbye.